0: And our reading today is Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself, where she places her young, near your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God. How happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. Lord, God of armies, hear my prayer listen God of Jacob consider our shield God look on the face of your anointed one better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people for the Lord God is a son and a shield the Lord grants favor and honor He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of Armies.
1: Thanks, Steve. How do you view the Christian life, the journey of a disciple on planet Earth? I think we often see a series of random steps unconnected with each other, don't we? We hope that we're learning something more about God and how to be like Jesus as we're pushed and pulled through life's changes. Some people talk of life as a tapestry of connections that somehow add up to some beautiful picture. A rich series of events and encounters with different people which, taken all together, create a richness of life that improves us as a person and makes us more as a part of God's beautiful creation or we may talk of life as being a preparation for heaven in some sort of way without bothering, be to be, without bothering to be too specific about it or maybe we talk about God having a plan for us but we don't know what it is and we just blindly follow him through the twists and turns of life Psalm 84 encourages us to see our life as a single journey a pilgrimage to our final destiny home in God's house in a room Jesus has prepared for us. So let's look at the psalm first in its Old Testament context then how that applies to us as Christians today. In ancient Israel, uh, God's house or dwelling place was the tabernacle and then the temple in Jerusalem. God's Spirit resided in the Holy of Holies at the centre of the tabernacle or temple. Now, there's debate about whether this psalm was written in the time of King David or King Solomon. If it was David, it was the tabernacle. If it was Solomon, it was probably the temple. I'll just go with temple for simplicity. The psalm or song is in three sections separated by the word Selah. Overall, it is a song of pilgrimage about travelling to Jerusalem to be in the temple, which was where God was present with his people. The first four verses express a great longing for the Lord's dwelling place, a yearning to be in God's presence in the temple in Jerusalem. The psalmist writes, My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. He is so earnest in his love for God and his desire to be with God. Even the small birds, sparrows and swallows, find places to nest in safety in the temple. They can live near the altars, which are the places for sacrifice for sin, reconciliation and communion with God. If even the smallest of God's creatures are safe in God's presence, then even the most insignificant person can be sure of finding forgiveness and safety in God's house. The thing that holds the greatest delight in the temple is the continual praise to God in verse 4. Being in a community of God's people, praising God together, is what the psalmist most looks forward to when he reaches the temple. Verses five to eight are about pilgrimage. Israelites would travel to Jerusalem for the major religious festivals each year. Usually, they travel together on these pilgrim- pilgrimages, walking together in groups for up to three or four days each way. Pilgrimage was costly in terms of time, strength, and money or crops. Verse 5 connects the idea of finding our strength in God and having our heart set on pilgrimage. Strength and pilgrimage. These are not two ideas that we would typically think to put together. But consider, pilgrimage was a journey to go and be in God's presence in the temple. So if you're trusting God and looking to him for your strength in life, of course you would want to be in his presence. And in Israel, that involved travelling to Jerusalem in a pilgrimage. Verses 6 and 7 sing about the journey. The Valley of Bacar speaks of an arid, desolate place along the road. The name may also mean the Valley of Weeping. But the pilgrims don't simply endure the valley. By their presence, they enliven it into a place of richness and joy. It may be poetic to talk of springs of water, but the group of pilgrims bring life and joy to the valley as they journey to God's house. You can imagine the excitement and happiness of people on such a journey, such an important journey together. And even the hardships of a desert valley aren't going to dampen their spirits, especially as they are trusting in God for their strength in the journey. And God responds in verse 7 with rain and blessings, again perhaps poetic, but God brings extra blessings to the pilgrims in response to the joy they have in their journey. And in verse 8, we see the pilgrims' reliance on God in prayer. Prayer is at the centre of their fellowship as they travel together to God's house. The final four verses reflect the joy of being in the temple, uh, which was where God dwelt among his people in those days. And that's the important thing about this pilgrimage. It's not a journey simply to a wondrous, wonderful building. Rather, it's to be in the holy presence of the living God. Verse 10 is the key verse for me. The psalmist says that it would be better to spend even just one day in God's presence than a thousand days away from God. And it's better to even just stand on the threshold, in the doorway of God's house than to live anywhere else amongst people who don't trust God. A doorkeeper would be the lowest, most humble place of service in God's house. And yet even that lowest place in God's service is far, far better than even the most exalted position amongst those who want nothing to do with God. Verse 11 praises God for the light and goodness and safety he gives to his people who live with integrity, who walk openly before him, seeking to obey his commandments and trusting him. God blesses such people. Finally, verse 12 is another heartfelt expression of joy about being in God's presence. So that's what the psalm meant to the people of the time in which it was written. What do those things mean for us today when God is present? Not in a temple, but in the heart and mind of every believer. During the Last Supper, Jesus said this to his disciples in John chapter 14. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. If we put our trust in Jesus, we are assured of a place with him for eternity in the Father's presence, or as Jesus put it, in the Father's house. When we reach the end of our Garden to Garden City series, we'll find imagery that gives us just a glimpse of what that that will be like It's a magnificent destination and one we should be longing to reach. Therefore, we are very much pilgrims on our way to an eternity in God's house. So Psalm 84 tells us about our own pilgrimage too. Let's look through the psalm in that context. The first four verses are the longing and yearning to be with our Lord God. For the Christian, this is highlighted by our disappointment with the emptiness and the shallowness of the world around us we long for a life so much better removed from the pain and pointlessness of so much in this world we long for Jesus to return and take us into the permanent presence of the father in his glory for those who are not believers the emptiness of this world is a nagging ache within that we are meant for something better than this For we are made to be in a beautiful and blessed relationship with our creator God. And without that relationship, there is an emptiness and deep longing inside that can't be explained away in human terms. It's only through Jesus that we can be the people we were designed to be, fulfilled through God's spirit within now and assured of a future eternity with God, praising him continually, as it says in verse 4. And just as before... Verse 3 about the sparrow and the swallow reassures us that even the smallest and least significant person has a place in God's kingdom. So even if you feel you're not serving the Lord adequately, be encouraged that even the smallest person is honoured in God's kingdom. Let's consider verses 6 and 7 about the valley of Baca. We know tough times happen in life to Christian and unbeliever alike. But walking through the tough times with Jesus will transform our perspective. We will discover blessings and his strength to persist along even the hard roads of our pilgrimage through life. And how we navigate the rough spots may also be a witness and encouragement to others. In verse 6 it says, They make it a source of spring water. We can be a blessing to others even as we walk through tough times ourselves. God may even use such times to reach out to others, to encourage them or draw them to himself. The key now, as in ancient times, is in verse 8, to submit to God in prayer as we undertake our journey through difficult times and blessed times alike. I said before that verse 10 was the key to the psalm for me. What it says is as true today as it was when the psalmist wrote it. Even the lowest most humble place in God's house is far better than anything else. I'm reminded of a short conversation John records in his gospel that was a key point in my coming to faith in Jesus. In John chapter 6 we read this. From that moment many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Apart from Jesus, anything and anyone else cannot satisfy the longing and empty ache inside us. Whatever else we turn to will never fully satisfy. Rather, it will always leave us wanting more. If we look to money or travel or a bigger house for fulfillment, we will always want more because however much we have is never enough for us to be fulfilled in our heart and mind. The same goes for other things that people look to for fulfilment, sex, alcohol, drugs. Too much is never enough to fulfil. Even family. How many people invest in their hopes for fulfilment in a spouse or in children? But loading a desire for fulfilment onto human relationships is a burden relationships cannot bear. Relationships flourish when God is at their centre, with God at the centre, the good things of this life may be blessings to us. Without God, nothing else will truly satisfy the emptiness inside. The second part of verse 10 emphasises that. Pardon me. second part of verse 10 emphasises that. It encourages us to avoid people who want nothing to do with God. However good they and their promises may seem, they are nothing in comparison with even the least place in God's presence. Rather, live with integrity in verse 11. Verse 11 also reminds us that God's people receive, quote, favour and honour. We may or may not live a smooth life, but our status and presence before God is a blessing that cannot be taken away from us and it's more valuable than anything else. But what's involved in living with integrity, as verse 11 says? One commentator wrote this. To live before God with integrity does not imply perfection, but it does mean that you walk openly before God, confessing your sin. You trust in his grace and strength to overcome sin. You seek to please God by obeying his commandments. To such people, the Lord will not withhold any good thing. Verse 12 says, happy is the person who trusts in God. Trusting God operates by us putting our faith in Jesus so that our rebellion and shortcomings are accounted to him rather than us. As the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, God made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he may display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Look, our pilgrimage may be smooth in places and bumpy in others, but Romans 8 assures us that God works all things together for good for those who love him. I can tell you this. I haven't always been able to see the purpose behind the hard times that God has sent my way. But there have also been many times that I can see his reasons, either at the time or looking back afterwards. I've seen the reasons often enough that I'm prepared to take him on trust for the times I can't see the reason. So, how are we to view our life's journey? Psalm 84 encourages us to see it as a pilgrimage. But what does that look like? In several places, the Apostle Paul refers to the Christian life as a race. Now, you run in a race to win the prize at the end. Like a pilgrimage, a race has a goal, an end point. In Philippians 3, we read this. Paul writes, My goal is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue, my goal, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Or in 1 Timothy 4, he says this, Train yourself in godliness, For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now training here isn't talking about training like for an exam or something. It's the training that an athlete does to continually be fit and fast for the race. Or thirdly, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Paul sees the Christian life as striving towards the goal of eternal life, training and devoting ourselves to pursuing the prize, We're not just hanging around here on planet Earth, waiting to die and join God in heaven. No, we are to focus and work hard towards the goal. There is a single goal before us, a single destination, and we are to train and work consistently and persistently towards that goal. Isn't that so different to how we often view our life? We see a series of random steps, unconnected, A tapestry of connections that somehow add up to something. We may talk of life as being a preparation for heaven in some sort of way or we may talk of God having a plan for us but we don't know what it is and we just blindly follow through the changes and chances of life in this fleeting world. But like the Apostle Paul Psalm 84 encourages us to see our life as a single journey, a pilgrimage to our final destiny, home in God's house, In a room Jesus has prepared for us then all the things that we go through in life good and bad are not random or unconnected they have a context rather they are steps along our journey to God's house with the longing for the Lord's house at the core of our being our destiny is with God in his glory and that underpins our life and our thinking we have a new perspective on our lives in Christ we are on a single journey with a single destination Life's events are steps along that way. God brings us experiences or learnings. Those are steps along the way. Our stages of life, those too are steps along the way. If you're driving along a highway, there are signs telling you how far to the next town. But decades ago, instead of signs, there were milestones like you see on the slide. Now milestones are ancient. They go back to times of the Roman Empire. In Australia, the milestones were triangular posts. You still see them occasionally. Uh, The ones in New South Wales where I grew up looked like this. In this example, if you were travelling from left to right in the picture, you saw the left side of the milestone angled towards you, telling you it was 18 miles to Goulburn. If you were travelling from right to left, you saw the right-hand side of the milestone, telling you it was 36 miles to Mittagong. You never knew how far it was to your final destination, just how far it was to the next town where you might stop and eat or rest or maybe stay overnight. Milestones in Victoria were different. They looked like this. This example tells you you're 94 miles from Melbourne. Throughout all of Victoria, all the milestones only told you how far it was to Melbourne. It drove my family nuts. Sometimes we weren't even going to Melbourne. (laughs) We wanted to know how far to the next town where we could buy some food or whatever. We didn't care where Melbourne was except if it was the last stage of a journey, actually, to Melbourne. But (coughs) But these two different milestones illustrate how we might see our journey through the Christian life. Mostly, we approach our life like the New South miles milestones, don't we? We just care about getting to the next town. Day by day, we're not thinking about our final destination, just the bit of the journey we're on at the moment. Psalm 84 encourages us to live the Christian life like the Victorian milestones. It's our destination that matters. Every town along the way is not a destination in itself, it's just a step along the way. God will provide towns for us to rest in, eat in, and enjoy Him in, but they are just towns along the way to our destination. Like the milestones to Melbourne, the Christian life is a single journey to a single destination. God's house for eternity. When we have the perspective of our life as steps along the way to God's house, that changes the way we think about other things. Seeing we're longing to be in God's house, we can live our lives now as steps on that journey. I can think of a few things we might look at differently with that perspective. You might think of some others. Uh, We may see ourselves as citizens of heaven and only temporary residents here on earth. Our view of stewardship might change if we consider ourselves as simply temporary custodians of our possessions. As we go through various stages of life and gain and then lose abilities, we might see that these are just stages on our journey to God's house. And of course it may change our view of death, especially our fear of death. Upon death we will all come face to face with God. For the Christian, and only for the Christian, Death is just the final doorway into God's house. As Christians, we are on a journey, a single journey, and our destination is a blissful, joyous eternity with our Lord God. We know the road because we follow Jesus. The strength for our journey is in our Lord God. We pass through many valleys of Bacca, of tears and troubles and hardships. But the Lord strengthens us in those times and showers us with blessings along the way. We also pass through wonderful times, blessed and strengthened by the Lord. If we hold true to our path, and provided we trust wholeheartedly in the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf, then we have before us the promised prize of living forever in the house of the Lord. As the psalm says in verse 11, he will be our son bringing light and life to all. And he will be our shield under his protection. We will be safe and secure forever. Our death in this world will be merely the final threshold, the final doorway into the room prepared for us in the house of our God. May it be so. Amen.